guys, this is Ogre Barbarian, also known as Brett. With me today, as always, we have... Hi, I'm Sebastian, also known as Doombox on the forum, and all with us as well is... Hey guys, this is Daniel, also known as DPO427 on Reddit. And we are the Oddsmen. Thank you for joining us for our next podcast. Uh, episode, what is it, 16? DP? Uh, 16, yes. Uh, 16. Yeah, episode 16. We're excited to bring you guys this episode. DP, do you have any announcements before we get started? Right. Uh, as usual, just a quick shout out for our Patreon giveaway uh, at the end of each month. And this this being the end of the month of September, uh, we have the Oddsman uh, monthly giveaway. And uh, just as a disclaimer, I'm kind of in talks with some people in uh, on Patreon side. Apparently, according to their terms of service, we may or may not be able to advertise uh that we do giveaways on their on our actual patreon page but that isn't to say that we can we can't do it on our actual podcast so if you see that disappear in the future that is probably because of the way we had to make things kosher with them but just keep in mind that we we like to give back to our community in some in some shape or form so that'll still keep going on and uh, just to remind you guys at the moment we're still 23 dollars out of our 30 dollar goal so we're not quite at the giving away $10 a month guaranteed uh, all the time. But as I said in the last podcast, we banked uh, last month's plus this month's. So we'll be giving away $10 this month guaranteed. So uh, at the end of the podcast. So for those of you who aren't already a patron of a dollar or more, you can uh, join before the end of this podcast and be eligible for the draw at the end. Uh, and if you want another chance, an additional chance to to win the draw, uh, you can also submit a question on our Patreon page as well. And all of those of you who are listening live, uh, feel free to submit a question in the podcast text channel, and we'll try and get to your questions at the end of the show. And that's it. So with that, let's jump into the first segment. Here comes a new challenger! All right, so uh, our new character this week is the riddler and man i have been waiting for this character since the dawn of the game he is my favorite batman villain by a very large margin his uh <laughs> his non-legendary costume is uh pretty beefy i you know you look at the riddler you think he'd be a pretty scrawny guy but then he comes walking out and he is just completely buffed out and speaking of buff Man, this character can cause some damage. Not directly, mind you, but he is a fantastic, almost unquestionable top-tier physical support in terms ha, of ha, enabling... What? I said, ha-ha, question. Oh. Ha-ha. I don't get it, but okay. Okay, but anyways... <laughs> He's got the big old question mark on his chest. Not anymore. Mine's legendary. Or uh, did you forget? We don't get to swap our costumes anymore. Uh, but, uh, I assume we'll be talking about that later. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get around to that. So, unlike a lot of characters who get most of their damage potential through massive buffs, Riddler is the exception that he gets his through stacking mountains and mountains and mountains and mountains of debuffs on a bunch of people, which means that in terms of the current, uh, as we all know, Wonder Girl-based meta, He's actually very effective in his role because instead of relying on huge buffs to get the damage done, he just stacks a ton of debuffs on the enemy. And that's his main workaround, I guess would be the way to put it. So his second ability is pretty good in terms of how it does against the common other threat, Harley Quinn. Now keep in mind, his evasion downs don't count for equal value. But instead, 
you just stack a big, nice stack of them, and it makes her easier to hit. It's not going to make her completely useless, but you'll still have a much better chance than you would otherwise. And that stun attached to the ability plus the chance to double strike makes it a monster in terms of locking characters down because those speed downs don't wear off after the first turn. So after they take their turn, they're going to be sitting there with eight speed downs, sometimes even more. So it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, also, if you pair him with characters, you know, your general heavy hitting greens slower than 113 speed. So let's see, that's like what Arcus, Power Girl, I think is slower, Chemo. Hal Jordan, not Hal Jordan, John Stewart, so that's the guy. Sorry, I was trying to remember him. Uh, for the life of me, he's like a non-existent character 99% of the time, but wow, is he really, really good when paired with that second ability, because those evasion downs, plus that extra bit of oomph with all the agility downs, makes physical characters completely shred whoever gets targeted. And that's not even including the synergy with Captain Cold, who can just basically stun lock a person in place for the rest of the game. So the Legendary Order, which we'll talk about in a little bit, gives him the ability to kind of help whoever he wants to. So he can be a physical support purely, or he can be a special character support, or he can be more of a tank general deterrence type support. But again, we'll get into that later. So the speed downs are insane. Not only does he get to throw speed downs on people, but when you punch him, he can also stick speed downs on you. And we're talking five speed downs 85% of the time, which, you know, against AI, it's basically 100% of the time. So that alone is already going to put a damper into your assault if you're trying to fight into his team. But him taking those five speed downs and adding an extra eight, you're basically done with that character. They're never going to move again. So fantastic, amazing stuff. Like, I am, like, my mind is blown. All jokes aside, it's no puzzle that this character is an absolute juggernaut in the right team composition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are a tough crowd, whatever. So, um, on his third ability, it is bugged. We're not going to mention it here, obviously, because we don't want to spread the bugs. We're just going to mention that it is. So, keep that in mind. You know, don't build thinking that this bug is going to stay forever. It might disappear. So, just if you see it, if you know what it is, don't expect it to stay. Now, this character has low cooldowns. We're talking it's a two-turn cooldown on each ability, with one of those having a chance to reset at the end of every single one of his turns. So, you're going to be throwing out those special moves very frequently. Like, you're going to have next to no downtime, and you can continuously hammer into the opponent with these powerful, big stacks of agility downs, evasion downs, and speed downs. And it also helps that he's a bit tankier than you might think. His agility score is decently high. He doesn't do well against special damage, but you know who does. But his health is actually pretty up there. I think it's about, what, 26, 27k on top of about a 1900 agility score. That mixed with his speed downs and all the general I don't want to punch this guy so I don't go slower type stuff makes him really, really unattractive as a target. But what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I think he's fine. I haven't, I'm in the process of gearing up, so I, I haven't actually played with him yet. But the thing I like about his kit in general is the fact that he has so many different debuffs. So pretty much if you have any type of uh, debuff strategy, say it's bleed, speed down or whatever, he can pretty much slot into any of those team compositions and he'll always be an asset. 
So that's really, really interesting. If you pair him with pretty much a, t- uh, like a special damage team, he puts a lot of int downs. If you put him with uh, even physical-based damage, he puts a lot of agility downs. And so he has synergies across the board. So the thing about, I like about him is about his, it's his versatility. Uh, he does have a lot of utility, but it comes sort of passively through his debuffs. When, when you think of utility characters, it's characters that have like lots of different things like purging, call assisting, and things like that. Well, he does have a decent amount. But a lot of it just seems passively dished out through his debuffs. So that's the really interesting thing I like about him. Yeah, I haven't really got a chance to play with him a whole lot. I haven't looked him over all that in depth, unfortunately. But I know my initial reaction was that he was going to slot into pretty much anything like you were saying fairly well. Uh, he kind of reminds me as the opposite of the way World's Greatest Detective is. In the World's Greatest Detective is an offensive utility. Whereas Riddler is like a defensive utility. So like I get the same kind of vibe there as far as their high utility characters. You're not going to see them do a ton of damage per se, but they're going to get their mileage worth in other areas. That's, you know, not really seen on them doing the damage. So just for the sake of giving a few example compositions, let's say, you know, introducing our audience to some of the character choices that they might not have considered. The first one I would like to propose is Constantine Riddler, Supergirl, and Harley. Very basic premise, one that DP can probably appreciate being a very special focused guy. is just stacking mountains of debuffs and then having Constantine completely obliterate the enemy team with Hellblazer. And beyond that, it also carries the benefit that as your allies start to die, Constantine and Riddler's speed downs are just going to take their toll on the enemy team. You're basically going to have free reign to just walk all over them. So what do you think about that one, DP? What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I definitely like that type of strategy, mainly because it has... Well, the thing about that composition I like the most is that it has lots of call assisting in it too. So a lot of the, the characters that you do that you have in that team composition are applying debuffs on their basics too. So there's just more and more and more and more debuffs. And the good thing about that composition also is that it doesn't have any weaknesses to Wonder Girl. So it doesn't have, it's not buff based. So yeah, won't be a problem. I like it. Now, a second one that I would like to suggest is one that Ogre would probably be more along the lines of, and that would be Cheetah Leader, uh, Chemo, Riddler, and Dr. Poison. And the basic premise on this one is, of course, the name of the game is Speed Downs. And in fairness, you could probably replace Constantine in for Cheetah, but I already used Constantine, so I'm trying to mix it up a bit. And I want it to be more bleed-focused. So in this one, you have the big benefits of having fallouts going out like crazy. You have the benefit of Riddler just being like, oh, you punched me? Well, I guess Chemo gets to stack bleeds on you for the next five hours. And the other cool thing about it is that while you could go for a mass-buffing strategy... You can also take it slow to counteract Wonder Girl, so you don't have to auto-attack with Chemo because of the way his kit's designed. You can just alternate between bleed and slow and bleed and slow. Meanwhile, Riddler's running around slapping debuffs on everybody. You have Cheetah speeding people up but not packing on too many buffs. Honestly, I think it's a pretty good strategy, and Dr. Poison, of course, just creates a mess all over the place. So what do you think about that, Ogre? What's your thoughts on such a strategy? Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. It, it definitely fits my style of play. And it definitely seems like if you wanted to swap out Cheetah or Dr. Poison, there's definitely options for you to do so if you wanted to. 
to take more of a, a bleed stance or less of a bleed stance, depending on how you want to do it. Uh, I think Riddler and Kemmer are definitely a good pairing just all the way around. And then, of course, my composition that I personally use and I'm using right now is World's Greatest Detective, Batman, Arcus, Wonder Girl, and Riddler. And the main focus of this is just eliminating those priority targets. So you have Batman who can give you awareness. Uh, not, and Oh, yeah. And then also True Sight. That's the one I'm thinking of. So you can get past those Harley Quinns if you need to. But Riddler enables you to slap her with so many evasion downs that an Arcus duel will kill her 99% of the time. And basically, it's just a big full frontal assault type. So, in general, when it comes to legendary orders, what you're going to be looking at, in most cases, is two, three, and five will generally be the three that you're going to centralize your themes around. And then you can go for one or four based on what you need most in your team. If you lack a good agility applier outside of Riddler, then you're going to want that four more than you want the one, especially if you've got a very physically based team. But if you have a team like the ones that I mentioned, special damage based or bleed based, where a lot of your damage is special, then going for that int down on his first ability will generally produce better results. So what do you guys think about that? I like your order in general. The only thing is me personally, uh, and it's a huge bias because I like special damage teams, I take one a lot higher because I want the intelligence downs more than anything else. But otherwise, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I'd probably do something like two one five or two five one, something like that, and the rest kind of in the same order afterwards. So I just slot in one somewhere after the second or the third move, or the second or the third upgrade. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think, Ogre? Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't really looked at this kid enough to to pick a legendary order, uh, or even to pick the first legendary for that matter. Uh, I unfortunately have been slacking. And uh, have all of 10 shards of Riddler right now. Well, fair enough. At least you're honest about it. I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, that's basically Riddler in a nutshell. Very nice character. Very unique kit, I would say. We definitely don't have a character that's just piling on agility downs like he does. So I think it's going to be interesting going forward to see how other characters interact with him as time goes on. But uh, outside of that, let's move on to the next one, uh, section, which is Nip Tuck. You got a little more work done, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a tweaking, tweaking. Maintenance, maintenance. So, the uh, Nip Tuck this time is going to be Ivy. Now, I'm going to go ahead and come out and say it first and foremost. I don't agree with the upgrade to having bleeds on her. But, but I understand uh... that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that people who don't actually understand the lore would probably think it's a great idea because, you know, oh... Flowers and thorns, you know. That's yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through it in a second. But basically, <laughs> the bleeds are handy, and I understand that the game doesn't really have an option for poison debuff, so it works out well, and it actually is incredibly effective in her kit. The assist on her taunt call makes her super viable as a support option now. So she's not just throwing up buffs for Wonder Girl to whip you into death mode. Instead, you're actually getting a bit of that extra value. It's very Constantine-esque. And it also helps that her taunt lasts the whole turn longer than Constantine's does. So you also get that big benefit that your taunt sticks past the first time that their turn comes around. Assuming Wonder Girl doesn't whip it off. The overheal on her heal makes her better when it comes to clearing off debuffs without wasting all that extra healing. It pairs well with Enchantress because it is overheal and... You know, Enchantress does get a lot of that benefit 
from throwing strength downs, which is part of Ivy's passive. It also goes incredibly well with Etrigan, who needs all the help he can get because he's a terrible character, and I don't understand why anyone uses him. But slapping that, <laughs> slapping that little bit of overhealing on him, plus getting rid of the debuffs that people try to put on him to hold him down, uh, can actually turn him into quite the monster early on, especially if for some reason you didn't get his legendary that gives him overhealing at the beginning. She can make a pretty good case for giving him that little bit of extra overhealing, especially if you spend your first turn overhealing, they beat you back down, she might be able to get him back above that line. Now, the plus one, plus one on her basic speed up and speed down makes her really decent after an assist. It brings her to about the 110, 115 range. And those speed downs, as I mentioned with Riddler, they add up really fast. Like, imagine a character like, say, Harley Quinn, let's say, because everyone knows her, right? Her speed is about 114, I want to say, just off the top of my head. Not 114, probably closer to 112. I think it's no, 116. It is, it is. is it 114? Yep, it, it is actually exactly 114. Look at me go. So, well, there we if, go. If you put the speed downs on her, it brings her down to being about an. 90 80 speed character which if harley quinn were in the first place no one would use her so consider that that a character that's so threatening loses immense amount of momentum when you just slap them once imagine slapping them multiple times that gets crazy she's still a bit rough to use as i said in the current wonder girl meta because a lot of her stuff is based around very large buff stacks but if you remove wonder girl from the field somehow by killing her early or anything like that she being ivy becomes a massive threat that needs to be dealt with immediately because if you don't have that passive whip then all of a sudden you've got a character that can just create a gauntlet for you to have to fight into uh buff passing of course is still a monstrous ability especially when paired with perm buffers but that's been the same old same old since she got released and honestly it's really not too bad all things considered when you think about it in terms of she's also slapping stamina up on everyone at the same time so you're getting big beefy healthy characters uh she still can't really take a punch you know she is kind of squishy but she is a lot harder to bring down if you're not directly focusing her the bleeds will add up incredibly fast so unless you're bringing in an arcus dueling her and removing her from the field instantly little passive slots of damage here and there are not going to bring her down, especially with her healing and that big stamina boost. I have a question. She has a 1v1 queen, I would say, against physical damage dealers that are not hit chance based because she gets the bleeds, the strength downs. Mind you, those bleeds last forever just about. They last like, what, three turns, four turns? So so they're eventually just going to wilt and die all jokes aside <laughs> man i am on a roll with these all right so, so, just, so yeah her- guns are bad hold on hold on i have a question about cross-pollinate so before What's up? Uh, i'm not sure if how it was changed from the the previous booth because right now it reads apply five stamina up to ally and four to random ally so in total it applies nine stamina ups across maybe two allies it could be the same ally but uh did the second part that says four to random ally? Did that was that there before, or was it just the first ally? No, that wasn't there before. So yeah, that was not new. there before. So that's actually and actually that, that's an additional four free buffs somewhere, right? That's that's awesome. Actually, well, something that buffs. I noted, uh, something that I noted <laughs> is that if you don't have any buffs whatsoever on a character and you use her copy, it'll just put the five and then the four randoms. It won't give anybody else stamina ups. Those come after the buff copying. Oh, okay. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, 
And another thing is it actually didn't used to be that way. If you put stamina ups on a character, she would copy those stamina ups to everyone else. But for some reason, now it doesn't do that. But it is also worth mentioning that back in the day, she used to only apply four stamina ups to the initial target. So that's an extra plus one plus the extra four. So she got bumped so, decently in, in a lot of different areas, but not like crazy, just like reasonably enough. Oh, yeah. She's definitely a lot more potent in her niche, which is basically just control and doing more or less what Constantine does sitting in the background. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Hint, hint, they make a great pair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Yes. You can throw a taunt on her. She camo puts... and oh, man. Can I, can I say one thing? I like the fact that with her and also with World's Greatest Detective and a few other characters before, they're taking the, like, they're going down the route where a lot of, like, healing is becoming overhealing. So I like that in general. The The one thing I'm, I'm wondering is why, for example, with new characters that have, like, healing type abilities like Larfleys, they didn't make it overheal. But I guess in Larfleys' case, it's a new mechanic. It's a drain mechanic. So they didn't know exactly how to really approach that right off the get-go, so I could see that. But anyways, yeah, that I like the fact that healing is slowly becoming overhealing. Well, I mean, I mean <laughs> as it happens, I've got some example compositions here if you guys want to talk about them. Again, to... Are we going to talk about if, Legendary Order first? I mean, I guess we could, but honestly, her Legendary Order is very open-ended. It's hard to have a wrong one. She you is know? a very, very L5-worthy character. That is not denied here. Yeah. So, me personally, in the current meta, assuming that, you know, Wonder Girl is going to be on every team, uh, I would say probably her best order would be 1, 5, 2, 4, 3, probably. Because your 1 and 5 are going to give you that big swap in momentum, and then your passive is going to give you all those bleeds out, which is going to be great. And then you focus a bit later on your big buffing abilities for when you have characters that can just eliminate Wonder Girl instantly. But that's just to me. What do you guys think? Well, something I want to point out is that Ivy is one of those characters that really excels in PvE content. So even if you never used her in PvP, she's worth bringing up and using for her buff copy in PvE, hero challenges, different things. At the very least, like, so depending on how you use her, you might take the double buff copy first and nothing else is necessary at that point. Uh, but me personally, I went with her passive and taunt as the first two. Couldn't really decide which one was more important, but I think the crit immunity on her taunt is actually really, really important if you're going to use her for that at all. Uh, because she may put a ton of buffs, but having that crit immunity and not necessarily having buffs on everybody else, Wonder Girl's not going to do as much damage to everybody because the damage isn't doubled if nobody else has the buffs to trigger her. Uh, so yeah, she'll get a lasso off and she'll pull that person down to under six buffs or whatever it is. But that crit immunity is very important, I think. Uh, and then I actually argue that the heal for three is more important if you're going to use her in PvP uh, because it's on a one-turn cooldown now, and being able to just put two additional stamina ups or you know do additional debuffs removed is really powerful, especially when you're looking at characters like Riddler and everything. And then they're not just purged, they're moved to an opponent. So I argue that the, the heal is pretty strong and don't overlook it. 
I sort of agree with both of you in the sense that like her kit's very open-ended. You can kind of just go with whatever you need at the time. But me personally, um, I kind of, I'm a more value-oriented player. So the way I play my characters, I want to get the most out of their abilities and in terms of free attacks and things like that. So I personally value the call assists and the bleeds higher than anything else because they give you free value right off the bat, right? So if you're just there getting hit, you're getting bleeds uh, for free. Uh, and putting taunt on someone else and calling the call assist makes her into another type of Constantine type of character, which I really like. And then after that, I mean, copying her buffs, uh, the buff copying ability is really, really good, as Ogre mentioned, for PvE, especially if you plan around uh, characters like Doomsday or Flash or characters with permanent buffs, as Doom mentioned before. So, um, and I agree with Ogre. If you're never going to use her in PvE, uh, PvP, definitely try and use her in PvE. She's a lot of fun. All right, so some example compositions. Just to run through them really quick, uh, we have once again an ogre-based one, which is going to be a Constantine lead, Chemo, Ivy, and Lobo. Now, of course, this one is just focused on passing around those taunts to Chemo and Lobo, the big, beefy, tanky types. And every time Lobo dies, all of a sudden your enemy's just getting slower and slower, and they're getting more and more debuffs stacked up, which lets Chemo basically have free reign to hit a fallout or two and then just stop the entire enemy team in their tracks. Very potent, very powerful, and surprisingly enough, uh, if you never hit them directly with Chemo, it's even really, really good against Wonder Girl teams because she never gets that double damage, and Chemo is more than tanky enough to take a whip or two to the face. So what do you think about that, Ogre? Uh, it's actually a team I ran very much uh, frequently as soon as Ivy got reworked. Uh, I have since uh, swapped out Lobo for Aquaman because I find the crit immunity so much more important. Because if you taunt with, uh, if you use Aquaman's crit immunity on turn one, you can taunt with Constantine on Chemo and then wait until the second turn to taunt with Ivy. So you can get a perpetual taunt going eventually off of that one if you do it that way. Very nice. Well, glad to hear it's a team they have some experience with. Uh, this next team's probably going to be a bit closer to DP's uh, preferences, which is going to be Enchantress, Etrigan, Ivy, and Larflees. Now, this one's just going to be based all around getting those heals, keeping that overheal running, freeing up buffs, and just buying Larflees and Etrigan time to sweep through the enemy team with their massive damage. So what do you think about that, DP? That was exactly the team that I was thinking of <laughs> when I said that she's like another Constantine. So basically, yeah, I, you want to put like a bunch of heavy hitters uh, together with her and call assisting team. So um, yeah, I like her. Uh, I like her with Constantine. I like her with any call assisting, like in any type of call assisting comp, especially if you're putting, if you can target the character that you want to call assist on, right? So there's only, I think her and Constantine are the only ones that can do that is there anyone else they call a specific character to assist yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You, like pick and shoot they're the only ones because they actually have to put the taunt in order to call them right exactly so also they have to target them mm-hmm. in order to call them um and i know i don't think atrocis can call specifically yeah i think everyone else because can. he just cares about who's enraged yeah. um i think that's it yeah yeah yep that's they're the only two that's what makes them so unique. So, yeah, definitely quite interesting. Awesome. And then finally, there's a team that more plays to my preferences, which is going to be the hit chance down type. And that's going to be Black Canary, Poison Ivy, Swamp Thing, and Batman Beyond. Now, the 
premise of this is pretty simple. Black Canary gives your entire team lots of evasion, lots of nice buffs. And Black Canary herself is incredibly tanky, like absurdly so. You'd be surprised how much damage she can just take to the face and be fine. She has a tank gear set. Now, keep in mind, this is definitely not meant to fight against Wonder Girl teams. Swamp Thing alone basically makes it impossible to beat a Wonder Girl team because he just buffs everybody. But as it happens, uh, Black Canary calling in assists because your opponent can't target anyone else but her, her 28 billion evasions because of Poison Ivy's taunt, makes it very dangerous for your opponent to fight in, especially considering Batman Beyond's double hit, which basically invalidates whatever character it touches. Uh, Swamp Thing healing and giving everyone lots of buffs to boost them up, and Poison Ivy slowing down the opposition, it works out incredibly well. Uh, just not versus Wonder Girl. So if Wonder Girl ever stops being meta, that's definitely going to be a team that I try myself. But uh, that's basically all we have for the new characters for this half of the month. And, uh, of course, reworked characters. So next, I guess we're going into the arena. Hold on. Before that, I noticed on your, your notes, there was one point you talked about the Riddler that we didn't mention that I kind of actually want to talk about. Why, when was he ever named Nashton? I honestly don't know. I've always known him as Enigma. So that's, that's beyond me. I, I wasn't even going to try that one because I... I think there was a point in the comics where they decided that Enigma is his uh, taken name when he becomes the Riddler and Nashton is actually his birth name. Apparently, Prophet I forget where that was, Prophet whether it was New 52 or Rebirth, but it was one of those two decided that Nashton was his given name. Yeah, Prophet was saying it was New 52 crap. But yeah, <laughs> anyways. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, that makes sense. There, there you go. All right, I guess uh, with that, we'll jump into the arena. So, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, this month we did not have a siege tournament. So, but we do understand that it is something that the devs are looking at potentially bringing back at some point, hopefully. So, looking forward to that if it does come back. We do, however, because no siege, get the chance for showdowns and gem blitzes to come back. And I think those are very much appreciated by pretty much everybody at this point. Uh, Gem blitzes... Nobody's ever going to complain about those. And uh, the showdowns this month, we had two showdowns for Harley quite vexing. So that's inter- interesting if you need the character. Otherwise, you're probably sitting it out. So I think that's interesting as well. How do you guys feel about uh, PvP events and such right now? Eh, quite vexing's not really a character that I'm interested in. To her credit, she is phenomenal with Riddler because she is an as- agility down creating character with the syscalls. But outside of that, I don't know. I'm glad that they're bringing her in because she's been a character that's been almost impossible to get fragments of. Her and damage goods have just been that elusive creature that Shazam used to be, basically. So Vexing is all over the place in Red Alerts. Okay, well, yeah, but you know what I mean. For people who don't play through that boring part of the game, it's she's like Fair a enough. unicorn. I like And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do, but... As far as gym blitzes go, yeah, I'm always happy to see gym blitzes. Even if you don't plan on winning, if you at least put in the very bare minimum effort, you still get rewarded about 500 gems, give or take. And if you want to push hard, it's not 
a bad investment. 200, 400 gems in, and you can get about one 2K out. And that's not even mentioning the top, top end. Like, I think I did the math, and this time around, if you had gone into it and spent, let's see, assuming a standard rate, of course, on trophies, then you would average out probably three, four hundred percent profit minimum once you got up to a higher point. So for a 2K investment, you would be guaranteed just about about 10K, give or take. So very good. I'm, I'm a fan of it. But, you know, that is how it is. In terms of general arena, though, it's, you know, yeah. it's glad to be back to basics. I do kind of miss the siege, but yeah, yeah. it's not too bad. I personally feel like the siege is something that will probably come back at some point, but I like the fact that it's not all the time. Mainly at all because it makes it sort of more rare and more it's and when you get that announcement, something definitely to look forward to more, right? So I like how they make it less common, and that's a good thing in my books. Uh, but the fact that the showdowns and the blitz are back are also great. The only thing, if I were to nitpick about something, and this is really just me personally, is the fact the scheduling of these events. I wish they switched them, like. The showdowns would have been where the blitzes are, the blitzes where the showdowns were, just because the blitzes that I really want to get the gems for coincide with the the weeks that I want to go real ham on PvP in the Wraith Arena, right? Being um, the Riddler week and the uh, the Larflees week, right? Because I want even more Larflees shirts, but you know that's maybe weird. that was intentional. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was the dev team saying people that hardcore press PvP get to play that, people that don't want some gems can do that. Could be, yeah. I mean, you know, I fall into that other boat and I'm the, uh, you know, I guess the minority 1% or whatever, or the, you know, hashtag for first world problems. You know, <laughs> that's sort of the category I fall into. But, you know, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. That, that's all. But otherwise, it's great to see them back. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, we get some more interesting characters to have showdowns for in the future. Uh, definitely like the fact that uh, we could pick up some Joker damage, good shards. So got him up to L3 and, you know, I'm happy with that. So overall, pretty good. And then, of course... If we talk about PvP, we actually have to talk about state of the meta at some point. Not that I want to. I'm kind of sick of hearing about Wonder Girl, personally. But I know it's something that obviously is a hot topic for a lot of people. What are you guys' thoughts on Wonder Girl at the moment? Is she oppressive? Does she need more counters? What What do you think? Honestly, if we had a soundbite for someone snoring when you mentioned the meta, I think that would be the perfect time to use it. The character is <laughs> ridiculous when it comes to how much she just makes the game unplayable for about half the cast. And it's a shame, really, because there's so many interesting kits that just cannot be used at the moment because, oh, well, I have some variable amount of buffs. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be six. I guess I'm just getting whooped in the face for 20k. That's great. And then... God forbid we even talk about Batgirl. Disgusting. Ugh. So, honestly, I think that they could take her whip damage, reduce it by 75%, cut off her arms, uh, bash her over the head with a pipe, <laughs> and then she'd probably be almost balanced. So, give her the Riddler Two-Face treatment. Oh, no. Give her the Deathstroke treatment. And I'm not talking <gasps> like... The good death stroke. I'm talking the bad death stroke. The nerf stroke. Yes. Yes. I, on that on that topic, I mean, I know that Kage is not a fan of uh, the you know the nerf talk, but 
I'm, I'm with you in terms of like tweaking, at least, at the very least. Now, you mentioned toning down her lasso damage. Let's say, for example, um, we go that route, right? I say tone down her passive lasso damage. Keep her lasso, her, her active lasso at where it is and bring her in line with characters like Terra or like Silver Banshee or something like that. I don't know. Either drop her percentage, her proc rate more or make her gate higher and reduce the lasso passive damage to like, let's say 50% or something. Cause that'll be a lot more reasonable. You know what I mean? So, so, um, you know what else is reasonable? What's that? Don't play with buff characters. Well, I mean, that's not reasonable. That's not reasonable at all. I think that there's, <laughs> I think there's a reasonable way. There's okay. Here's the thing. I think there's enough ways to deal with her already in the current meta. Whether it's not playing buffs and just playing a different, you know, let's say debuff strategy or composition that doesn't rely on buffs at all, or you know, just bring characters that will easily take her out quickly. Like, and that's part of the problem for me. And what we're getting at is that the meta is getting stagnant and stale because of the fact that it's not that because we don't have answers for her. We can kill her. We can take her out easily with, you know, Deadshot Hired Gun, Red Robin, what have you, right? The problem is that having to play with those characters all the time, it's sort of creating this sort of awkward reverse Deathstroke global meta that we had before. Whereas instead of everyone playing the best, you know, broken composition, everyone's playing either with one character that's oppressive or playing compositions to deal with that one thing. So it's basically like the rock, paper, scissors format became rock and paper and scissors just got the hell out of there. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure it's just rock, 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 rock. (laughs) So we're stuck between a rock and a rock place. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Honestly, everything being rocks sounds about right because every team has a rock and that rock is a wonder girl. Quite literally. I still haven't used her, ever. The cornerstone of most meta teams. Yeah. But like I was saying since like, was the saying- end of last month, and even throughout most of this month, I've been playing pretty much the same four characters in PvP Wraith Arena, like almost 99% of the time. It's been uh, Deadshot, Hired Gun, uh, Red Robin, Starfire, and Etrigan. Those teams, I can just like like blow through my, my entire board. With, like doesn't matter who's on it anymore right now, because... Most of the time, it's always there's a Wonder Girl there, and I have to have two of those four on there anyways, and the rest of them is just there for balance. And sure, sometimes I come across the Harley Quinn, and I'll just die to, you know, RNG, but then, you know, eventually RNG will be on my side, and then I'll beat it. So there's no reason for me to change my team comps right now, which is what's making it really boring for me. I hope that they... I don't think that they should nerf her so that she's unplayable, but they should tone her down where she's not, like, the be-all, end-all. That's what I think. I would be inclined to agree. I still don't think she's the be-all, end-all that everybody thinks she is. I think people are just using her a crutch at this point. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's me. And obviously my opinion is not the most popular opinion of, on this subject at the moment. But a lot of people do miss the fact that if you have two buffs on your team, two, two buffs on the whole team, and she triggers her passive, on, and she triggers her lasso at all, it's double damage. That's why you're seeing so much damage out of her. I have yet to see her break 5k against my teams. Now let's say let's say they take away that uh, part of her her damage, right? Let's say they take away that double damage aspect. Would that make her more balanced then? Cuz I think that's a that's a reasonable If you did that for the passive only to where the passive didn't have the double damage quality, sure. Yeah, that's that's probably what yeah, I that's, think. Like that that's a reason. I think honestly that's probably all that really needs to change if anything, but I'm still of the camp to not change her at all. 
and just give me another counter that's easy access like and i'll be fine but but as you were saying right like the fact that a lot of people are using her or playing her as a crutch even kage who is a big advocate of her and not having her nerfed from the beginning is saying was saying recently that she is a crutch for him like she, she basically does everything he needs her to do he's on all of his teams or she, she's on all of his teams and you know i mean at what point does that just become like it's starting to create an unhealthy uh environment even for the people playing with her right like you're just getting bored because you have to well, because she does everything it's the same thing that happened during the deathstroke era everybody was complaining about it but nobody wanted to not use it and that's the issue yeah. if you continue to use it so is everybody else nothing's gonna change if you don't you know if you continue to push it everybody's gonna be doing the same thing so yes, you're going to run into 80% plus boards that have Wonder Girl because nobody wants to not use her. That's the problem. Nobody wants to use something else. Nobody wants to try. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, we're getting to sort of like this sort of political situation where it's like either you, you vote for it or against it, but because nobody wants to vote against, like you want to. Well, everybody's going to say that they're not going to vote against it until somebody else votes against it. But then the people that are voting for it just keep voting for it. So the people that can't vote against it now because people are voting for it. Like, I get what I get that. But like, you can't complain about something and then continue to be part of the problem. Well, I complain about it, but I'm not part of the problem. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Though. I am not going to lie. I am just waiting for a different character to come out that does not so well handle so many characters. Like, I will admit, I don't even think Wonder Girl is that bad either because you could just kill her. You don't even need Red Robin and, or Red, yeah, no, that's right, Red Robin and Hard Gun. You don't even need them. You could do it with World's Greatest Detective, Batman, and Huntress. Like, you could do it with just World's Greatest Detective, Batman, actually. He is able to kill her. What by about himself. Double Arrow? What about Double Arrow? Why would you use Double Arrow? You could just use Arrow both, and Riddler. I'm just saying, wouldn't they're both of their AOEs be able to kill her? Uh, no, actually. She lives with, like, a thousand-something health. Well, shoot. I mean, that's not that's not a lot, though. It's not like it's like, oh, my God, she's living with a thousand health. Like, you could, you could just kill her right afterwards, but... I mean, like, did they also have to make her, like, that... Like, with, with a reasonable health pool? Like, if they made her super squishy, like, even squishier than she already is... Then, I, then maybe that'd be much more reasonable. Like, let's say you were able to take her out guaranteed with like a reasonable AOE from a from a physical character, right? So then maybe that would be a non-issue. So another way to approach it maybe is to drop her, you know, base agility or something. What do you think? Well, the thing is, I, is that okay, you're you asking the already, wrong person with me. You can I already do that. Love the... Sorry, go ahead. Because Dick. no, you're fine. Uh, Suicide Squad Deadshot kills her in one hit every single time. Like, it's not even a, oh, well, maybe she lives with this much. No, it's she's instantly dead because his thing will crit and she will just drop dead. The only problem is that when it's just Wonder Girl, it's never the problem. But when you throw that girl in there, then all of a sudden you have a pretty good chance of not being able to deal with her. And that's the biggest problem, you know? On top of that, if Harley Quinn happens to enrage your death shot, then you're just stuck. There's nothing you can do. And I think it's less a problem with Wonder Girl and more a problem with who just – she doesn't synergize with the characters per se, but just the fact that she exists and these other characters happen to also exist. You know what I mean? Like, 
Wonder Girl would be nothing, not even a speck on the radar without Harley Quinn and being involved. Like even with Batgirl, if you were to have Batgirl but not have Harley Quinn, Wonder Girl wouldn't even be an issue. She would just be a character, you know? But because Harley Quinn's in the game and because she's so universally good at just keeping people alive, Wonder Girl becomes a much harder character to kill. And because she's a harder character to kill and because you can't just use your usual counters to Harley like Steppenwolf and all the rest, it just becomes a matter of, well, I guess I'll just sit here and wait for her to whip me in the face for 20k on my blue tank. And that's that. So, honestly, I agree with the idea that Wonder Girl is not the issue. But Wonder Girl was never the issue. The issue is the fact that characters like Atrocitus, Batgirl, and Harley Quinn Majester enable her to become this... I don't want to say monster, but it makes her annoying in the way that the ways to answer those characters get hard countered by Wonder Girl. Which is, you know... That usually would be great. The only problem is Wonder Girl is countering characters. She's not even built to counter. She's made to counter characters that are big buff stackers, you know, walking around with big buffs. But instead, she's landing a crit with her lasso and is killing my Wonder Woman Champion of the Ancients with no buffs on her, mind you. It's not even a matter of double damage. It's a matter that she lands a crit and then kills blues outright that she shouldn't even be able to kill at all because they don't have buffs so i would find her less an issue if she just did what she was meant to do which is being accounted to the likes of clayface stefan wolf and so on where oh you have a ton of buffs okay now i'm gonna punish you for it but she's punishing everybody under the sun when they're not even doing what she's built to counter at like uh, how can i put this atrocitus boosts her passive lasso damage because it boosts all of her damage right if for some reason you bring a Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn's really good against Atrocitus because, you know, well, yeah, that's great that you guys do 50% more damage, but you can't touch me. Wonder Girl will whip your entire team. I have seen it. She even one-shot my Bane from full health. Like, that is not an okay thing. That's too much. So if it weren't for her lasso doing so much astronomical damage... She would be a fine character, yeah, but it's uh, just the fact that her lasso does so much. On that topic, well, I think saying... that is actually more of part of another problem: is that characters just don't have enough health for how much damage things are dealing. Yeah. We need more tanks. More tanks. Yeah. We need more health. I mean, on that on the topic of uh, her AOE taking out just about everyone, I'm just gonna say, like, for your first example, it shouldn't make sense that Cassie should take out Diana. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It really should not be the case. I'm going to agree with you 100% on that, being realistic. She shouldn't even be able to touch half of the characters that she one-shot. But, you know, she does. And it would be a different thing also if her gate was slightly higher. Like, if it wasn't just, oh, well, you have six buffs, so now you're getting screwed. Like, if it were eight buffs or ten buffs... That would be acceptable because then she would still counter the likes of Clayface and Steppenwolf and those characters that just stack astronomical amounts of buffs. But she wouldn't be screwing over the hardworking everyday Arcus who just wants to do his nine to five and go home to his wife and kid. <laughs> the, Wah. the blue collar, the, the blue collar Arcus. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like someone, someone Photoshop that and put it up on Reddit. <laughs> oh God, please do. <laughs> 
<laughs> blue collar knight of businessman arcus yeah that'd be the white collar that'd be the white collar arcus i want to see a blue collar the blue collar arcus with a hard hat and you know at the construction the carpenter arcus with eating his lunch from his metal box <laughs> oh my god yeah replace his green armor with overalls just have him looking depressed because wonder girl's coming in and oh my god somebody uh, do her so as a funny. foreman somebody do her as a foreman Get back to her. <laughs> well, no, Put I'm just imagining the suit. her like doing a Miley Cyrus with a wrecking ball, but it's her lasso attached to it instead of a chain, and Arcus is just sitting there looking unamused. All right, let's stop dwelling. <laughs> keep going. We need to get the show on the road. Right. So, I knew okay. this was going to be a to- hot topic, but so I mean, I knew it was going to take a little while. I mean, I think it's important <laughs> to take the time to properly discuss this because it is. Right now, the I, biggest to issue. To be fair, I think at this point it's kind of been discussed right. into the ground. Be- between the three of us, why don't, so, we an, why don't we take an over or under? So for the Deathstroke uh, Lobo like nerf the second time around, it took about what six months to seven months before it happened. So what's your over under on this time if it happens? I don't think on, it's happening. What that they're gonna fix her? All right, let's say I'm gonna set it at mm-hmm. now. It's yeah, I, I don't think they're gonna change her. Okay, let's say let's say if they do now, if they do right, so then obviously if you don't think. S- if you if you don't think it's gonna happen, you take the under. So, but um, let's say now she's been out for what two months? Is that right? It's been two months since she's been out. So yeah, it's been two months. So let's say another three months. So total five months. So let's set the bar at five months. Over or under? What do you guys think? Over. I'm okay. Question: If in terms of fixing her, does that include them just releasing a silver bullet? Uh, or is it specifically no, making changes her. to her? Like, uh, if it's actually adjusting her. Yeah. Oh no, I okay. over, way over. There's maybe never. Okay, I'm gonna put it at under. I'm gonna say four months total. Let's say so. Now it's September. So let's say before the end of the year. So before December. So around. And and this is assuming that they don't have something come out that just blows her out. Well, that's obviously. Well, that's the thing. Like there has to be something completely meta shifting where she's no longer needed or no longer like has a good spot because no one's playing buffs or whatever the reason is, right? So it could be. Uh, I'm not talking about a silver bullet. It has to be something meta shifting, right? Where she's no longer part of the meta. But what I'm saying is that if things remain the same, and I, th- I think they might be, and the fact that she's oppressing potential character design down the road, let's say end of November, beginning of December is what I put it at. So under five months. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think as a character, her kit isn't the problem because she does what she's meant to do. So I'm pretty sure because I'm they have to know it's a problem, right? Like, there's no way that WB is so disconnected from everyone else that they don't realize that she's an issue. So I think that we're probably maybe going to see some shift in the meta coming up, maybe not next month, but maybe in the month after that. And I think that's when we're going to see her lose a lot of prominence. But, I mean, who knows? I can only hope. Anyways, let's keep going. Let's stop. Moving on. All right. Get into Event Horizons then, I guess. Hell is only a word. Reality is much, much worse. All right. So... The events we've had this month, uh, Two-Face, now that his second round is coming along just fine, I think everybody's rather amused with Two-Face, at least. Uh, even if you don't like how he does in PvP, you're probably using him just as a fun, you know, Giggles character, because he definitely is that. We also have had Longest Night happen, and I think that was well-received by the community overall. Uh, people liked the chance to get Scarecrow and liked the idea that you could uh, 
have a tough time fighting some of these opponents. Um, what else happened? Uh, we have Starfire coming up here in the near future. Or Star Sapphire, sorry. Not Starfire, Star Sapphire. Uh, Hero Challenge coming up here soon. And then was there another Hero Challenge that I missed? Or was that it? That's it. You know, we, we just have the, the Two-Face Challenge going on right now, the finishing of it, second half, and then we have Star Sapphire coming up. But how did you feel? How did you guys feel about the uh, longest night? I thought it was really good. I thought it was entertaining storyline, uh, and it was very difficult. Very much what uh, people want for that kind of end game content. I think. I agree with you. Honestly, I agree, yeah, I, I agree with you in the cons in the on the idea that it's definitely what we want in terms of end game con like content for it to be, you know, challenging. But it, it was making me cry. <laughs> so. <laughs> It, it, it was at, I was getting to the point where I thought I kind of figured it out. I, I, I knew a strategy that I could go into it and attack it with in terms of, you know, even if I had slightly undergeared characters, if I did this and this, it should work out. I think that they made either there might have been a bug or something with the minions or the, um, the bosses. Like maybe they had their like HP pools switch or damage pools or something like that switch because the minions in the first wave of the last node did way too much damage in my opinion they there was four of them and i'm i it was weird because i was watching duloth stream when he was streaming like the whole thing and their his enemies were different from my enemies and in my enemies i had four characters that all had aoe and the only way to not die to the energy character the energy minion was to bring batman beyond and make sure that he doesn't hit them right so then you kind of forced into playing a certain strategy and even the blue mystics were one-shotting my reds, my gear 10 reds, with an AoE. It didn't make sense to me. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that it's challenging and difficult, but it, it, it'll basically say, like, you have to have gear 11 for at least two or three of the characters for you to survive. Like, I had a gear 11 red robin still, and even my red robin, when he got hit by a blue AoE, it took off almost half his HP. That's a lot of damage. So I'm not sure, you know, it's difficult in the sense that it's challenging and there's a lot of uh, waves on top of it. There's four or five waves of that type of difficulty. But they should have, like, toned down the damage just a tad, you know. Like, they could give them, like, increased HP pools, give them really cool abilities, but their damage is too much. Like, there was too much damage output, I think. So I don't know. Maybe that was just me. I mean, personally, I... Okay, I'm going to be in the unpopular camp on this one, but... I don't see the difficulty as being a problem. I see it as a feature even, you know, because like it's event, you know, but it's a special event. It's not just your standard, oh, walk in and get five character shards every single time you replay this one level type thing. This is a you do each level and that's all you get for the entire event type thing. And I think that it, I wouldn't say rewards people with developed rosters. But I think it's good that some of the content in this game isn't accessible to everybody. You know, like when it comes down to it, yeah, the last thing was difficult. I didn't have any problem with it because my roster is developed enough with those characters because I love Hit Chance Down. But I think that it's good that not every player could get through it because that means that there is content for them to ascend to. There's content that they can build up to. Versus, oh, well, it's it's an event. I guess I'll just walk in and clear it. Sure, whatever, yawn, you know? I think it's good that there's 
limits. There's walls in the game. Even if they're small, stupid walls, like you can't clear the last node, you still get a very hefty bounty of Scarecrow Shards up till that point. But honestly, if a person thinks that they should just be given everything in this game, they're playing the wrong game. It's made to be a game that you continue to collect and grow and move on through the course, you know? And if everything's just handed to you, you might as well just play Solitaire. So that's that's just me. But of course, I'm the top of the tier on this one. No, I mean, I, I think I agree. I agree with you with the concept that it definitely gives you something to look forward to at the end. Um, you know, I'm just frustrated personally because I couldn't clear it. <laughs> so I was just sort of talking just, from a uh, personal bias. Well, get good, well, son. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, I was able to make it to the scarecrow wave of the final node and then got beaten up. And I have gear 11 Red Hood, gear 11 Robin, uh, gear 9 World's Greatest Detective Batman, and gear 9 Huntress, almost gear 10 Huntress. And I was still having... I made it to the last last wave of the final node, got the whole story, but got my butt kicked. I mean, I get it. I get what you're saying. But at the same time, I'm really looking forward to chapter 9, 10, you know, or a new campaign that is at this difficulty. This is something that I want. And if this is their testing ground for that, then so be it. But that's what I want as a player. I want that hard, hard, hard campaign where I can finally put to use all these Gear 11 characters that I have. Hold that thought. It's not PvP. Hold that thought. We're going to talk about that later in the Q&A section. There's a question about that. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Well, in that case, then I'll just go ahead and turn it over to you, DP, at this point. Cool. All right. Because I think we're done with the uh, events and stuff, right? Yeah, more or less. All right. So let's go into Shop Talk. So, Shop Talk, this one's going to be real short because in terms of packs, there was really nothing to take note of this since the last podcast. So, you know, no news is sometimes good news, I guess. And then in terms of bug fixes, there were there was a new patch introduced, but there wasn't really much that was quite noticeable other than the fact that someone might have flipped the switch a little bit early again on on something that they shouldn't have, which was skin switching. So there was this whole little thing that people discovered where if you went into, I think, your alliance page and if you clicked on yourself and then you got into your roster and you, you could see that your care, you could switch skins on your, sh on your characters. I won't go through the whole process because it's neither here nor there because the pro, that, that whole thing was taken down real quick within like a few hours because it wasn't supposed to be there and it may be part of a, of an update in the future as Stanner, uh, expressed in one of her community center posts. So the idea here is that the, it shows that skin switching is a possibility. It's definitely possible, but something that's buggy currently, and they might have to work on it to get it right. So what do you guys think about that whole idea? I, I don't think it necessarily indicates skins. I just want to be clear on that. I think this is just a switch between regular and legendary because those models exist in the game. I do not think it's skins. Because otherwise, I was inaccurately told when I went and visited WB that skins were not really a possibility for the engine that it runs on. What do you think, Doom, about that whole, I guess, switching skins thing? Or switching toggling looks thing? How does that one song go? Last reset, I altered my skin, but the very next day, you took it away. You know, that, that nifty <laughs> jingle we always hear around the holiday season. By the way, that's going to be a ringtone soon. 
Oh. Hooray! But um, no, nobody wants outside it. of that, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you just you know it's good that they have it, and I'm personally actually happy that they pulled it in its buggy state and saying it's not ready yet. We know that you want it, but it's you just can't have it like this. We want to do it right the first time. I think that's very admirable. Well, I, I definitely think so, and it's definitely something that it does show that they are listening to people, whether the people want to admit it or not. You you cannot deny it at this point. They are listening. We may not get things as timely as we want, but they are trying to get stuff done for us. So keep keep that in mind, guys. Like just ease up a little bit. All right. So, I mean, on the topic of whether skins or uh, may or may not be possible in the future, even if it's just the fact that we toggle between legendary and non-legendary costumes, I think that's still really great. Because as I was playing around when it was, like, there for the like the brief window that it was there, I definitely, like, liked the fact that I could switch back my, my Superman to his regular costume and not his stupid armored costume. Since when does Superman have armor? So, you know, injustice. Yeah. And and for all of those who like the Irish brawler Riddler, you could you could keep that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it is a cool look, to be fair. <laughs> anyways, it's neither here nor there, I guess. Let's. Uh, so with that, you know, shop talk is pretty much done with because, uh, you know, there wasn't much to talk about this this go around. So that's good. So let's jump right into the community watchtower then. Wait. You mean we're going to take the Watchtower out of orbit and drop it right on top of their little science project. All right. So in terms of uh, DC news, um, this time we're talking about the DCEU, the movie franchises. And something that's been in the news recently is, well, basically it's been on social media. It's the fact that Henry Cavill was rumored to may no longer be playing Superman in the future. And also, there at the same time, there was also news of Ben Affleck going into rehab for, I believe, uh, for alcoholism. And we don't know how long, you know, it's going to take him to get back on his feet. But he, he was saying that it was for, him, for himself, for his family, and for his kids. Uh, so there might be a possibility that he might not be around to be Batman. So um, now, first on the topic of Henry Cavill... He sort of rebuttaled a lot of these rumors, but not directly stating that he will still be Superman. But he was on, I think, Instagram recently where he posted a short video showing like, you know, today's been a good day, hashtag Superman, something like that. And it shows him in a T-shirt saying uh, Krypton Lifting Club. And he there was music playing and he just lifts like a uh, an action figure of Superman. So basically he's saying like, I'm still going to be Superman. Superman's not going anywhere. It's always going to be me. But he never really said that in words. He just sort of made some sort of obscure reference in a video. And then the whole Ben Affleck story, we don't know because it's very, very, you know, breaking news. So I hope that he gets back on his feet quickly. But in terms of um, being Batman at the moment, I think he's the best Batman we have. And I hope that he doesn't go away. But to the both of you guys, what do you guys think if, let's say, the rumors are true that Superman and Batman aren't going to be the ones that are currently casted. And let's say the DCEU for the Justice League, the future Justice League movies, the standalone movies, that imagine if they had to recast these guys. What do you guys think? I hope not. I think Ben Affleck is the Batman at this point. Uh, I really like what he's done with him. Uh, aside from, you know, classics like Michael Keaton or Adam West, I really do feel that of the modern era, he is, he's Batman at this point. Like he had the most Batman fight scene I have ever seen in, 
you know, Batman v Superman, when he goes to save Martha, that was the most Batman scene I've ever seen. It was absolutely amazing. And I loved it. And I really hope that he continues to play Batman. Uh, and as far as Henry Cavill's Superman, I really hope he gets to continue to play Superman too, because he really does have that Christopher Reeve feel about him. And he really does portray Superman very well. And I really do hope they get to stay. And I really do hope these are all just bad rumors and that they don't happen. But at the same time, if they do happen, I think you have to use uh, Flashpoint, the movie for Flashpoint, as your basis to reset them. Have that screw up the timeline somehow that now somebody else is Batman, somebody else is Superman. It's like, that's how you fix that if you're going to do it. I really think that's if, if you're going to do it, if you have to do it, that's how you do it. It is good, the fact that they have different Earths to sort of play into that. So that, that is interesting. All things being equal, I, I would like for Superman to always be Henry Cavill at the moment, mainly just because I think that this actor really embodies to me what Superman is in a nutshell, because he has that sort of, well, he's got the, the physique for him, obviously. He's huge. And uh, in terms of like his personality and the way he portrays Superman, it's a lot like the animated series Superman that I grew up with that I, I kind of respect too. Now, uh, what you were saying, he's, give, he's giving you sort of Christopher Reeves sort of vibe. I get that, but I actually pick, there's another actor to me personally who I thought was a little bit closer to the original Reeves, which was uh, Brandon Routh in the Superman Returns movie, but he didn't last very long, right? He's now, you know, the Adam on... But that movie was so yeah. horrible. That was yeah. sort of the script's fault. I mean, I think he was a good actor for what he was doing. and he It was, and I honestly, I think Kevin Spacey wasn't a bad Lex either, but that's neither here nor there, so... But I mean, if they were to recast Superman and they brought back that type of Superman, they brought back sort of the homage to Christopher Reeves, I think Brandon Routh would, would uh, be in consideration again for that type of role. But if they're sort of bringing this sort of super strong, super macho, big, uh, you know, like big bodied Superman, like sort of the animated series Superman, I think you have to get someone like Henry Cavill, at least with that sort of physique. Because Brandon Routh, while he's big and tall, he doesn't have that sort of build, right? So uh, he has sort of the Christopher Reeves build, as we were talking about. So anyways, I mean, in terms of... Yeah, and... What about in terms of in terms Batman, of though, if you were to recast Batman, would you pick some? Could you think of someone to pick instead of him instead of Ben Affleck? I know who I would pick if we're going with the grizzled veteran still, but unfortunately he's under a Marvel contract, and that would be Josh Brolin. Ah, uh, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, he, yeah, like he portrayed Cable really well, and I thought he actually would make a good Batman. It's just he's under the Marvel contract and can't. All right. So you know, I mean, obviously with him off the table. I'm not really sure if there's anybody who I would want to see as the grizzled veteran Batman other than Ben Affleck. Prophet's saying, give me Michael Keaton. <laughs> Keaton's done, man. He already became the vulture. He lived long enough to see himself become the villain. He's also in Marvel too, too, right? I think he's locked under Marvel contracts too. <laughs> yeah, he's vulture. He's also in Marvel. Yeah, so that's off the table too. So, uh, uh, Doom, do you want to weigh in on this whole actor's situation? Yeah, well... First off, the actor that Ogre just suggested, I would think him more like a Thomas Wayne for the Flashpoint because he definitely that does would be rock. amazing. Cool, yeah. Wouldn't it? That's what I was thinking. The moment you said it, his name, I was like, you know, he'd make a really good Thomas Wayne just drinking and shooting people with guns. But um, I don't know because it's funny. When I think about 
Batman and Superman in the current forms, it, it doesn't feel on the tier of like Robert Downey Jr. to Iron Man where it feels like they were made for each other and you couldn't imagine anyone else. But at the same time, I can't think of anyone that I would prefer. And that's the problem. See, I, I really do personally feel that Affleck is Batman. But that's only because of the storyline that they have with him being the grizzled veteran, you know, 20 years of doing this crap. I really like the way Affleck has been portraying that. And I love it. And I really do think he does fit. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Prophet's completely insulting the legend Adam West, but that's fine. I understand Prophet. I mean, you know, you think Gearton should be able to do everything. So, hey, who is what your opinion? Just kidding. I love you, Prophet. But um, as far as character people that I would say could replace, you're, I think uh, Batfleck is probably the only one that could do that. As far as Superman goes, though, I mean, you have a few other options, but. I don't know. I really hope that neither of them get replaced because, I mean, I don't know. The only person I could think of that I would want to see a Superman would be Justin Timberlake, and that's just because it's funny, <laughs> not even because it would be good. I, I, I'm actually against I, that. I, I don't you want know, to. you know what? I actually just thought of somebody that it might make a uh, a good grizzled Batman, uh, Ron Perlman, but he's Hellboy. Hmm. Okay. So I, I mean, he's also Deathstroke from the animated series, so I don't really want to see that either. I, I, I would have liked to see him as Deathstroke, but, you know, we got who we got. So When we were talking about Batman, like actors, uh, when we were talking about Adam West, I would like to say one thing about Adam West. If we were to bring him into the movies, uh, like the current DCEU, I would love to see him as an Alfred. The only problem being is that... You can't. He's yeah. dead. Oh yeah, Adam West is dead. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my bad. But I mean, if I, I oh right, I'm saying it's like, so yeah, insensitive. Yeah, but I'm saying if you were to bring in, if you were to bring in Adam West or someone like Adam West, I guess, as a character in the movies, so like Burt Ward, sure, he's I mean, he's still alive. Okay, I'm saying that like he's if I were to play, like put him into like a, a role in the DCEU, it would have been Alfred personally, right? So, but the thing is about Alfred is that. A lot of the Alfreds that we or we know and love are sort of this British embodiment of Alfred. He might be that doesn't. That's because Alfred's British. Yeah, I know, but he doesn't. Yeah, he's that you know someone like Adam West at the time could could pull off a British accent, for example. You know that could be within his repertoire. So, but that being said, what if they brought him in as an Alfred-like character, but then say you know uh, he's been in America long enough that he no longer has his accent. Yeah, it could be that could be why not just if if you had had the opportunity, uh-huh. I think you should have cast Adam West as Gordon. Okay, yeah, no. You, that would have been really you, cool. You win me over with that, yeah, actually, yeah. But now that I think about it in terms of Alfred, Jeremy Irons is a pretty sick Alfred. Because then he's the father of Batgirl. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So but anyways, I mean, going back to the Alfred thing, yeah. Je- I love currently Jeremy Irons right now is killing it. I don't know. I'd prefer, uh, what's his name, Al Pacino as uh, Gordon, just because he's rocking the sick stash. <laughs> Man, you're digging deep there, Doom. So, I mean, okay. but, Let, yeah. I think Robert De Niro would have been a better one. Liam Neeson is Batman. Oh, no, he's he's. Ra- He'd be a good oh, Thomas Wayne. He's, he's Ra's al Ghul. He would be a good Thomas Wayne. But he's, he's already been Ra's al Ghul. He can't be anyone else. This is also true. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
That is true. I'd love to see him come back as Ra's al Ghul, even though it's not part of the Christian Bale Batman thing, but whatever. I don't care. Bring it back. Exactly. He's a, he's a great actor. Just bring him back for anything. Put him as an put him in as an extra. I just want to see the amnesia. <laughs> just have him as a random minion beating the crap out of people. I would love it. Yeah. Oh God, wouldn't that be funny? Having just one random henchman beating up all the superheroes, since henchmen usually just fall over and die namelessly. Let's see. So let's move on from DC to Marvel. It might not be a very popular topic, but uh, they recently released the Captain Marvel trailer. So I watched it a second time just now. Uh, Ogre Doom, have you guys had a chance to watch it? Yes. Yeah. I love Shazam. Yeah, no, not Shazam. Not that. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so we're talking about... Although, although the Shazam one, I am really, really excited for April. Right. So That one looks amazing. Segwaying into Shazam. Captain Marvel will be released in March just before Shazam, which will be in April. So that's something to consider, too. Now, comparing those two trailers, let's say the, the Captain Marvel and then the Shazam trailer, obviously they're different movies and obviously they're different universes. So first of all, what do you guys think of the Captain Marvel trailer since we've already talked about the Shazam trailer? So, Ogre, go ahead. I Honestly, I think it looks good. And mostly because it's going to fill in a lot of gaps is what it looks like. Uh, of the history of like shield and different things, things that we don't necessarily know a lot about in the MCU right now. So it's going to fill in those gaps, I think rather nicely. And hopefully it's going to set up really nicely for uh, Avengers four, the sequel to infinity war. I'm hoping that sets up really nicely and we'll have a nice conclusion when that finally comes out. So I'm hoping this uh, does a really good job of setting up all that stuff. Cool. Doom. What do you think? Uh, I'm, Basically, Ogre said everything that I wanted to say, more or less. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'll see how it goes, you know? All right. I mean, me personally, the things I was looking at the trailer, the CGI looks great. It looks really, really um, you know, on point and crisp, so definitely they put a lot of money into that. The one thing that stood out to me wasn't Captain Marvel herself. It was Samuel Jackson. Can we say that <laughs> young makeup, Sam Jackson? Can we say that makeup and CGI or and or CGI or maybe none of it? Maybe it's just all Samuel Jackson. Who knows? He looks great. He looks great in. He, uh, he just looks good. He's awesome. What's the timeline? You wouldn't know that he's like seventy years old now. It's the nineties, right? When it happens, when when the movie takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing for me that really took me back um, was the opening scene. She crashes into a blockbuster. So, for those of you out yeah, there, yeah, America, yeah. you probably have no idea what that refers to. But with the advent of the internet and Netflix and services like Netflix, pretty much uh, Blockbuster was, you know, run out of the like run like was completely bankrupt as a result. So, well, they tried to keep up; they just couldn't. So that was well, a actually. There, I wrote an entire paper on Blockbuster and why it went under. Netflix has nothing to do with it, but I've, I'm not getting get into that. <laughs> But personally, it is going to be interesting to see like millennials watching the movie and then she crashes into a blockbuster and they're like, oh, that's a cool name for a native place. Yeah. But I mean, you know, for me, uh, where it touched home was the fact that I used to work in a blockbuster when I was going through school. (laughs) When she crashes through there and you see like the shelves and you see like sort of set up. I'm wondering if there's actually places with an actual blockbuster still hanging around and that they use that. You know what I mean? Like maybe not all the blockbusters are gone. Who knows? But or maybe they actually went through, did all the uh, research of what blockbusters were like back before they all went bankrupt or before they all closed down. And then they set it up so that, you know, it looks exactly like that because I worked in one and it looks exactly like it. So that's pretty neat. 
I like that. The, my, my, my favorite uh, memory from working at Blockbuster was when no one was around, we just put movies on and watch movies. Uh, but anyway, uh, simpler uh, time. Yeah. But in terms of the, the trailer, I think Samuel Jackson looks great in the movie. He reminds me of when he was in Pulp Fiction. Like, without the afro, without the sideburns, but definitely, that, he still looks just as young. So I'm wondering if he really didn't just, you know, just he's in really great health, or if makeup and... CGI Have you seen him, man? He is in great health. But they did do some CGI tweaking to him, I know. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that looks good. Now, what I was saying before about the fact that this trailer, this movie comes out just before Shazam, and obviously Shazam has to compete with this, sort of like just after. Where do you think these two movies will be positioned? Like, obviously they're quite different. I, I have to disagree with you on the fact that you think that they're going to compete. I think, I think that they're actually just different enough that they're going to play off of each other a little bit. And I'm really hoping that as the Shazam trailers keep coming in and it becomes a little bit more kid-friendly, I'm really hoping that Captain Marvel becomes a little bit less kid-friendly and we get kind of that role reversal, if you know what I mean, to where the DC movie has the light one out and Marvel has the dark one out. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I think that would be like this is the time to do it if it's going to happen. I think it's like comparing a Captain America movie to a Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I don't know that Thor Ragnarok is the right one to compare it to, but yeah, something like that. You got the buddy comedy versus the the slightly darker Doom. What do you think about the comparison of these two movies? Like one being right right after the other. I mean, I think well one. I think it's funny and ironic that Captain Marvel is coming after Captain Marvel. That that's just that always sits funny with me. But in terms of the actual movies, well, I DC agree with lost Ogre. the rights to Captain Marvel, right? So they have to call him Shazam now. Yeah, yeah. But true '90s kids remember. Oh no, we all know it's not the point. But you know what I mean. It's it's going to be refreshing to see that. For once, DC's not going the dark and gritty route. And I think, honestly, that it's going to work out very well for them, especially when you have all these people coming out of the uh, Avenger movie, not Avengers, freaking Captain Marvel. And they're like, wow, that was sick. It was like Wonder Woman, but with energy blasts instead of bullets type stuff. Then they're going to go and they're going to go and see Shazam because it's going to be like, wow, this one's also out and it also looks amazing. And they're going to have a fun time with it. And I think that's going to be very nice and a breath of fresh air for people that they're going to walk into a DC movie and not leave feeling worse than when they walked in. So random aside about Shazam, do you guys know why he was referred to as Shazam over Captain Marvel, you know, throughout the ages of comics? Like, what, why did that evolution happen? Well, I know he shouts Shazam. Right. And apparently, Prophet knows Shazam's Shazam's the wizard that gives him his powers. Right. There's an. There, it has to do with one specific comic where people started calling him Shazam because of sort of a misinterpretation of the way the comic was laid out. Now, in this specific cover for this comic, I believe it said Captain Marvel, but on the comic you see Shazam or you see Captain Marvel uh, doing sort of like a Superman pose, and he's saying Shazam, right? And that Shazam that's being written there, it's in huge block letters that have uh, sort of an exclamation mark. And it's, it's up above his head and it's covering the Captain Marvel logo, like sort of overlapping it, right? So that kids at that time when they were picking up that comic and they saw that, 
they thought his name was just Shazam. And they just started calling him Shazam. And then after they got into this whole like uh, rights to the name versus of Captain Marvel or Shazam or whatever. And but basically the name Shazam stuck because of that. That sort of like random occurrence. And it's weird because a lot of the other members of the Shazam Shazam's family, this is sort of a spoiler for those of you who don't know his history. There's, you know, Miss Marvel the, and like the Marvel family, right? Like there's a bunch of different other characters or like other with same similar powers as Shazam with the name Marvel. Shazam. He's the only one. That AKA the, only one. the Shazam kids. Right. But then right. now, you know, that's, that's sort of an interesting take on it. So I wonder if that, if they introduce those sort of uh, side characters in the future in other movies, if they're all going to name them sort of related to Shazam or if they're going to actually introduce the names with Marvel in it. Like uh, Mary Marvel, I think was one of them too. I, I would almost wager that everyone is going to be named Shazam and then have like their actual name as a subtitle kind of. Oh, okay. That could be it. I bet they're going to do something dumb, like make each kid have one of the letters as the start of their name, like one kid's name Zeno with a Z or something. Uh, <laughs> when they're together, oh, they don't make do it. Don't, don't, don't. It's going to be a Captain yeah. Planet thing. <laughs> Exactly. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. They're gonna, they're gonna... Uh, now I'm thinking about Don Cheadle as oh my Captain God. Planet. Don't don't do that to me. Come on. They're gonna Voltron into Shazam. <laughs> yes. We're, we're combining <laughs> Voltron and Captain Planet and Shazam and Captain Marvel. What the heck is going on? <laughs> Anyways, all right. Let's get into... brain overload. Let, let's get to the end of the show. Then I mean, let's get to some of the questions that uh, our patrons have for us. So, all right. So let's get to the Q&A. The first question on Patreon was from Ventus1. So this is two questions, actually. The first one's for Ogre. Uh, I saw your post about a potential rework for Chemo, and I was impressed. Uh, could you do one for Cyborg? And then, the following question is for all of us. You've been playing, I guess, since the very beginning. Do you think that this game needs something fresh? Not content, per se, but new mechanics or something like that. So first, Ogre, what do you think about a rework for Cyborg? Let's, I guess, sort of off the cuff, what would you, if you were to rework him, what would you do? Um, honestly, I think Cyborg's in a pretty good spot right now, but he definitely could use some tweaks. I will give you that. If I were to rework him, I would probably just remove charged cannon or make it a little different. I don't really like it as a part of his kit. I don't really like overclock as part of his kit either. Um, like I don't, I mean, I don't know. He He's one that I would have to think about a little bit, but I think that you change, you take overclock out so that he doesn't really need a self buff, but I don't know. I think he should have a team wide buff of some sort to like grant hit chance, you know, like laser targeting and basically marking a target for people so that he marks the target and then his teammates have 100% hit chance against that target. I think that would be really cool. So it's sort of like um, a taunt type of ability, but it's not really taunt, right? It's not. Well, it's not really a taunt, but it's 100% hit chance. Cool. Meaning that they can't evade or something like that. So, like, let's say he uses that move on a Harley who is taunting, and then the rest of his team will hit the Harley no matter what. Doesn't matter how many evasions she has. Does that make sense? Yeah, that could be good. Could be good. I, like that. I, I think that would be really cool. And then I think honestly, his uh, charged cannon could just be, you know, like some sort of AOE where he kind of flies by and just drops a bunch of bombs on him or something. I don't really like the charged cannon. I don't know why. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be changed, but it's not something I personally like. I, I don't know. I, uh, but as far as like his passive and his leadership, 
I don't think he really needs the leadership anymore. I think that there are better leaders out there available. I think that, that he needs a second passive. And I think it should be, you know, I don't know, something Titan-related. Because I would really love to see at some point, you know, characters that care about their team affiliations. Booyah. And yeah, call it Booyah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Honestly. come on. I mean, I could see him maybe including like Motherbox technology in his kit because that's kind of a big deal with his character at the moment and a lot of his appearances. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. His Both his passive and his leadership need to be tweaked in some way or another. And if you're going to change Charge Cannon, if you're going to change the other one, uh, maybe he can gain True Sight through his passive, similar to how Superboy gains it. You know, uh, where if Cyborg has... X a number of buffs, he can gain true sight because he can find you with his technology or whatever. Yeah. You know, something real simple like that. Just make that his passive. I also uh, I think and that's then give cool. him a second passive that you know gives him like damage immunity, not damage immunity, but uh, gives him a light heal every time something happens where he can repair himself. You know, I think that would be kind of cool. I think that like the fact that he's connected through technology and the internet, things like that. Uh, true sight's definitely a mechanic that would work well with him. That would make great sense flavor-wise. Also, awareness. So if you were to somehow give awareness to people, might be something flavorful too, right? So, I, I don't know if he would give it to other people, but I think he could definitely get it himself maybe. Yeah. I mean... The thing, I mean, is, the thing about the thing is, um, Cyborg right now... Or maybe not, maybe not even awareness. Maybe he just gains death immunity. Right. You know? Right. So, something simple to where... Sure. Oh, I have a chance to come back from this, you know, and I can reroute my systems to do this, and now I'm going to blast you in the face because I didn't die. I like the fact. I think that would be I cool. Like, I like the fact that right now he's currently offensive, offensively minded, um, in, even in like his leader composition and all that stuff. But what if you were to bring in a small element to have him on your team without, like, you know, that you could have him on your team not as a leader that would actually help you be defensive too. So, or either keep him alive or keep others alive. That would be cool, right? So. Yeah, I think it would be uh, because a lot of his movies, uh, well, not a lot of his movies, but a lot of his appearances, I think it'd be cool if he had a self-destruct option, since at the end of Flashpoint, he self-destructs uh, in the Teen Titans animated, which a lot of people are familiar with. When Brother Blood is dismantling him, he's like, oh, what's keeping you ticking? And he's like, oh, 20,000 volt battery core, and it, you know? So I think that could be cool if, like, you, he dies and he pulls like a Joker-esque explosion. That would be interesting. All right, so let's get to the second right. part of the question where it was to all of us. Rather, rather than talking about new content that we were waiting to see, what would you like to see in what terms of like-, like new mechanics or something that's that they could easily just throw into the game uh, without actually having to you know recreate or create new fresh content? What, what would you guys like to see? I'll go I first. Would- yeah, go ahead. Fear debuff, because for some reason we don't have it. So We have like three different ways to represent fear right now. Yeah, which is what, enrage, things like it's that. Hit chance, we don't need enrage, that. and then I guess you could argue stun also. Yeah, or silence also, but fear well, that's I mean. basically... Like, you have like four different ways that could represent fear. Of the characters that actually involve fear, you have hit chance and enrage, technically. Yeah. But uh, fear could be like, oh, well, you hit someone with it and they would lose 50% damage on their next attack. Ooh, or ooh, they'd ooh. I, have, I have a great idea for this fear mechanic. What if it Go was an it. anti-taunt 
So you, you couldn't target fear, them. So basically, and then you couldn't them target the one who feared you. Oh, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, like let's say Scarecrow hits somebody, and now that character's turn comes up. They just can't target Scarecrow. Wouldn't that be like, broken though? Because in a one v one, how would that even function? You have to take it. Well, in a one v one, it would be treated like invisibility. Yeah, you could do it. You could do that. So I mean. It's basically it's basically a pseudo invisibility. Well, as Pro- Prophet saying, reverse invisibility—that's what it is. Well, no, reverse of invisibility would be a taunt. Oh, right, right. Yeah, okay, that makes right, sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh, I like that idea. The mechanic. Now, I was thinking about this in terms of something that already exists in the game, but they could bring it to other modes of the game, like PvP, or that currently doesn't have it. But you have things where certain types of characters, or certain affinities, or certain uh, let's say categories of characters gain um, attack uh, uh, attack bonuses, HP bonuses, and things like that, right? So you see that a lot in PvE content. You see that a lot in red alerts, for example. Even the PvP events where you have certain featured characters, if you use them, they get buffed, right? So I want to see more of a such and such mechanic matters. So for example, Justice League matters. Titans matters. And it doesn't actually have to be part of the, the, the character's kits. So you get... Well, that's the same thing I was saying about when I was talking about Cyborg. I would love to see some sort of interaction, especially now that we're having these events that care about the family. Exactly. Let me have some sort of mechanic to do that. Right. So let's... Like, I would love for Bat Family to have a you know mechanic or Titans to have a mechanic or Injustice League to have a mechanic or whoever. I don't care. Just give me something to work with. You know, I, I mean, the reason why I was thinking about this, because one of the recent videos I posted up about the about resource management was that three different ways of looking at how to develop your rosters is building around something that's for fun, building around a core group of characters that are strong or device diversifying your roster. Right. The biggest drawback to playing with, um, you know, something that's fun or thematic is that sometimes there's no real bonus for playing that. It's just because you want to have fun. Right. Now, if you bring in incentive to play Justice League or play Injustice League or to play Rogues or whatever, right? That makes it uh, more attractive to those people to go to lean towards that direction, right? Now, the game is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to attract players to play with the character. Like, I want I came to this, this game because I saw Superman as the headliner, right? And I love the Justice League. So the first thing that came to my mind when I started playing this two years ago was I want to max out my Superman and I want to build a Justice League team. But the problem is that, you know, given the current state of the way the environment, the gaming, the game modes are right now, there's no real benefit to playing with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Flash or Aquaman or whatever, right? Because they don't really synergize well together. Now, if you give them synergy, if you give them incentive to be on the same team, then I'm all, I'm there. You know, you just need to give me that nudge and we're there. And I actually think that's a great marketing thing for them to, to sort of put onto their their app store. advertisements right, well the, their app store their google store the google play store they show that you can play with your favorite teams you can play with your favorite characters and they work well together right that will attract a lot of people to play the game i think personally so anyways we have the fear mechanic and team affiliation matters sure those are our ones we came up with cool sure. uh let's go to the next question from parsnip paradigm so Parsnip Paradigm says, say we get an expansion for of the PvE content, something we know that they're working on. If it comes with new nodes for new characters, which characters do you think we should see move towards common, both for use and ease of access, 
and which for the rare single node type of fragments. So I'll, I'll jump into it like real quick. So let's say if we get into node, sorry, chapter nine, chapter 10, for example, I'd love to see Superman be more widely available, not because just pre personal preference, but I think he's a very good utility character. You could put him as a one node rare type of character. Also for commons, I would definitely like to see characters like World Greatest Detective Batman, who's been in the game from the beginning, to be included as a farmable node. I can't think of too much off the top of my head, though. Maybe Catwoman. Catwoman is also a very good, useful character. Maybe as Castaway Green Arrow? Castaway Green Arrow, yeah. yeah. Castaway falls into that category. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, secondary nodes for a lot of the one-node characters at the end of chapters, like Star Sapphire, Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, and those types. Yeah, I can see that. So let's say Dr. Fate, Grundy, those guys being bumped down to common, having two or three nodes. I'd be fine with uh, that. Someone like, uh, I think you, when you look at these kind of things, you definitely want the characters that aren't game-shifting meta-changers. You want characters that are popular enough, but not overpowering oh. to saturate the market. So you don't want to include characters like White Lantern, Sinestro, see, yeah. or something like that. But including somebody like Shazam, Wonder I Woman. think Wonder Woman CT, uh, Coda. Wonder Woman Coda would be great. Uh, you know, characters that have been around forever at this point, but just nobody uses them because they don't have them. Like those are the kind of characters that you want to include in these nodes. Cool. I think that's a good. That was a good one. Yeah, I like that question. All right, let's get the last question from Backfire Coh. With Atrocitus Two Face and Riddler's kits plus Ivy's rework, bleeds, debuff, transfers, etc., do you see a debuff meta coming on the horizon? Nope. Just shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> okay, well, I guess to uh, give it a slightly longer answer, I don't consider Atrocitus a debuff character per se because he's more of a buffing your allies type thing indirectly. But as far as Two Face and Riddler, debuffing your allies. I, I think it's well, you know what I mean. You you debuff them to give them more power. But I think it's less so that we're looking at a debuff meta and more so that we're just moving away from a buff meta. So debuffs will be more common, but it's more so that you're just not seeing as many buffs in general. But that's just my input on it. I agree with that sentiment. But I also believe that with the way the characters that are being popularized right now are getting slightly more debuff focused, I wouldn't say that we're going to have a debuff meta, but debuffs are going to definitely be more popular. Like So I'm in the same sort of uh, mindset. But that being said, I'm personally working on a debuff type of strategy in my personal roster. So I've already developed uh, my Constantine. I'm working, I've already started working on uh, Chemo, Dr. Poison. So I'm working sort of towards this intelligent-based bleed team, as you guys have seen on YouTube. So, and that obviously is uh, a debuff strategy, but focused around bleeds. But that being said, all those characters work well in a debuff strategy with other characters that may be coming out in the future too. So also with Two-Face and Riddler and Atrocities. So I think that yeah, I guess long story short, we're hopefully going to see a shift away from buffs, maybe maybe a debuff meta. But I don't think it would be completely debuffs. Yeah, I've been preaching debuffs for, you know, forever, specifically the bleed debuff, but I always recommend that you use additional debuffs in when you're doing it because bleed characters usually want to have some sort of control aspect, uh, and debuffs are a great way to control. So I think... You know, they've always been fringe. I don't think they've ever been meta, per se, except for the arrows. That was really the only time that I can remember debuffs really being a thing. But it wasn't... You weren't using them for their debuffs. You were using them for their high crit rate AoEs. So it's a completely different 
concept there. Uh, I don't think people like debuffs as much as they like buffs, and I don't think people are going to gravitate them gravitate towards them in that way to make it a debuff meta. But there are always going to be fringe players who continue to use them. Cool. All right. So with that, we'll we'll wrap the questions there. And since this is the last uh, podcast for this month, we'll do the draw now. So currently, our Patreon uh, is at the 23 out of $30 mark. So we're still at the same position as we were before, but we'll be giving away $10 this month as we did in last month. But uh, if you guys, again, are interested in being part of our monthly draw, help us get to that $30 target. Next month, we'll give away another $10 for sure. So with that being said, uh, give me a drum roll and I'll roll a die to see who wins this month. Okay, and we got number six, Ventus One. Congratulations, Ventus One. I'll be getting in touch with you to, uh, to get you your $10 gift card. There you go. So, uh, with that, um, I guess we'll wrap things up there. So, any last word, guys? Thanks for listening, and uh, be sure to check us out next time. If you have any comments or uh, things that you'd like us to cover in the next episode or whatever, please obviously contact us and let us know. If there's any sort of changes to the formatting or, you know, whatever, did you like the team comp section? Do you want more of that? You know, tell us what you guys want. Tell us how you feel, and that way we can continue to improve the show for you. Yeah, please give us your feedback. We did try out a few new things here and there, and we want to know whether you guys liked it, you want more of it, you want less of it. And don't be afraid to be like, God, that Doom box won't shut up ever. We, It's cool. I, I get it a lot, but it's valuable input to us. So don't feel like you're going to hurt our feelings. We want to know what you think. All the names, all the name calling, it's all good. With that being said, if you guys haven't already, follow us on, on social media, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud at The Oddsman, at youtube.com slash The Oddsman, and on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash The Oddsman. And with that, have a good night, guys. Have a good one. Good night. And for the winner's circle this week, we have Constantine as world's finest and UJLA for number one alliance. Congrats to all the winners. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oddsman Broadcast. Be sure to check out the next episode of We Are Legends coming up next week.